Well, you can open your Bible to Genesis. Um, we'll still be in Genesis. And uh, maybe down the road someone else will pick it up and finish it up. Or maybe the rapture will take place before we need to finish it. Um, but um, in Genesis chapter 18, we've been looking at a wonderful time to where Abraham met with the Lord. But then he is telling him about something that's about to happen to a member of his family and members of his family unless they repent and get right with God. So that's where we are in chapter 18. And God would not go into Sodom. God won't go in any house that's not where he's welcome. Now with me? He won't come into any house. And what is our body? The temple of the Holy Ghost, right? So God's not coming into anybody that doesn't like him. He, and, and if you use it in a physical sense, God's not coming to a city that don't want him. And if he does come and they reject him, we'll shake the dust off and move on. And so God uh, wanted to meet with Abraham and tell him what to expect and what was going to happen. And so we see that beautiful experience here and we find how that he's called a friend of God and what great hospitality he showed the two angels and, and, and the Lord God who had showed up that day, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. And um, so uh, I, I really do think every one of our homes, now get this, now get this, because mine hasn't always been like this. Our homes ought to be ready at any time for a visit from Jesus. Woo, I'm in trouble. What about you? Don't that get you under conviction? Our homes ought to be ready at any time for a visit from Jesus. It ought to be honest. It ought to be pure. It ought to be right. It ought to be loving. It ought to be holy. And so Abraham was ready when the Lord come and they had that tremendous conversation among themselves and he talked to him about Sarah and she laughed and God kind of shut her up and then uh, he talked to him about Sodom and um, told him about what was going to happen. And so when those angels get there, there sets Lot in the gate. He'd become a politician and he had... Um, got him a spot in the gate by compromising and agreeing with the principles and values that had happened in Sodom. Now, friend, I, I am for Christian politicians. I stand behind Christian politicians, but I do not stand behind compromising Christian compromise. I just don't. I, I think if you or a politician, you call yourself a Christian, you ought to be a Christian on the House floor, on the Senate floor, just like you are in the church floor. And so Lot, he forgot that, and Lot decided he'd just take him a place at the gate where all the decisions was made, be the governor or one of the leaders, magistrates of this little town. And uh, so... Here he comes as he's already compromised about every truth he knew. And there was that intercessory compassion that began to start taking place. And that's kind of 
where we're going to be tonight. Abraham is known as the praying man. What do we find Abraham always doing? Was, it, was he building altars, right? He's always building altars. He's praying and building altars, praying and building altars. That's the kind of man he was. He wanted to get close to work. So the Lord, you say, well, can I get close to the Lord? You sure can. Hebrews 10.22 says you can get close to the Lord. You can get close to the Lord. It wasn't designed for just a few people to get close to the Lord. God wants all his children close to him. And so here he thought that as they began to work their way down their conversation and he found out that they, this city of Sodom was about to be judged, he started bargaining with God. Well, that's always a problem because you lose you never win when you start bargaining with God. You might do all right at a yard sale or in a poker game, but when you get with God, he's going to win. Amen? So Abraham, in his heart, according to chapter 18, verse 25, God's going to do right no matter what. It don't matter what we do, God's going to do right. Don't ask why God did that. God did right. I, I used to have just a, an element of a, a question about me uh, in my heart about things that God would do. And, and I'd look back and say, God, why did, why did, why did you do that? Don't, don't bargain with God. Listen, it, it, it is, we, we know more now than we'll ever do. We've heard more now than we'll ever practice. And, and so God says, you, you, you just go ahead and you just keep on praying and I'll take care of this situation. And so in verse 25, he knew that God would do right and that God would save the righteous. And so he got to adding them all up and you can start adding them all up if you want to. After he, he got it down all the way from 50 to 40 and then he got to thinking you know I don't know that's a rough bunch down there and my family hadn't been doing too good let's go to 30 and then he said you know I'm not sure we can round up 30 so he said let's go to 20 and 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 the Lord said well if you can find 20 I I won't judge it and and Abraham got to thinking you know I I, I better get it down to its lowest common denominator here so he said God give us 10 God said all right 10 Lot was sure he could find 10. There was 10 in Lot's family, at least, maybe more. Immediate family. Because when you add it all up, there was two girls that left with him, he, uh, he, he and Miss, uh, Miss Salty, whatever her name was. And um, listen, that, that for, them, for them not to be married, they must have been ugly living in Sodom, amen? I'm telling you, they must have had a problem. But because Sodom was so filthy and dirty, here was two per, pure young ladies. And so they left with Lot, Miss Lot. Well, the Bible also says he had other daughters, two other daughters, and he had sons, plural, in law. So if you add that up, you got at least eight. And if you add their wives in, you got ten. And so he thought, surely we can have 10 people and save this city. Now, what spared Lot? Lot was no better than the rest of them. He didn't live any better than the rest of them. Didn't talk any better than the rest of them. 
He didn't love any more than the rest of them, didn't obey any more than the rest of them. What kept Lot alive? And you got to think on that question for just a moment. And I looked over to Genesis chapter 19, verse 29. And it says this. It came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which the Lot dwelt. Had it not been for Abraham, Lot would have been a dead goose. You know it? He'd have been judged just like the rest of them. But you know why he didn't? He had a praying uncle. You say, my prayers is not getting through. How do you know? How do you know God didn't spare somebody you love, you've been praying for from a, a tragic accident so they'd have another opportunity to give their heart to Jesus Christ. You don't know where your prayers is working or not. I can tell you if you're right with God and you're praying in the will of God, they are working. They're working. And so Abraham was a praying uncle. And I'm going to tell you something. I think what's holding many churches together the only reason they're being held together is a few praying Abrahams because the biggest majority, now listen to me, the biggest majority is full of carnal lots who does not pray. Do you agree? The biggest majority, and when I say the church, I'm talking about all the churches. When you look at the churches, the reason we're not seeing mighty works of God these days is because we have too many people in our churches that look more like Lot than they do Abraham. Think on that a moment. Is that sinking in? Think on that a moment. Here you sit, middle of a pew, feel all the rest of you on both sides, carnal believers, they won't be back on Sunday night because they don't love Jesus. They won't be on Wednesday night because they they're not interested in Jesus. There's a ball game and during the revival, so they won't come. There's something else going on. They won't come. And so here they are with their carnal thoughts sitting all around you, and there you are in the middle praying, Oh, God, do something in our church. Oh, God, touch that person in our church. That's what holds churches together. Without that, we'd all be judged. And we will be one day. So only the godly is holding back God's judgment. Write that down. Just write it down. Only the godly is holding back God's judgment. For judgment starts where? In the house of the Lord. Just the godly. Had it not been for Abraham, Lot would have been wiped out and his family with him. So, folks, we better keep our fires stoked. We better keep our fires red hot because the thing we need at Hillcrest Baptist Church is not a bunch of people to show up, but we need the Holy Ghost to show up. And so he comes when righteous, godly, holy people pray. Now, you say, what can we do, preacher? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a long time from the time of Solomon Garment. And it is. It's, it's, been, it's been 
4,000 years or so, or 3,000, 3,500 years since Sodom and Gomorrah. You go there, it's nothing but just salt, sand, just nothing there. There is a big monument. I think it has fallen over by now, but I've seen it. It, 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 it stands out there. It's just a pillar of salt, and it's shaped like a person. And they call that uh, Lot's wife. Right there, that's her. That's what she left, just a pillar of salt. She didn't sprinkle any salt. Hers was packed together in a pillar. Just a stone. That's all. And so, I think here's what we can do. And I won't have time to cover them because I won't go get, in, get into the, chap, the rest of chapter 19. But, but I was really getting fast when I got to this part. And I want you to just write them down. We may have to go back a little bit, Matt. But if y'all didn't get this the other night, write it down. Underline. Number one, we need to warn this world. And write down in parentheses beside Jude, Luke 17, verse 28 through 32. If Jesus thought it was worth using as a comparison, we can use it as a comparison. Then write down Isaiah chapter 3, verse 89. And we can warn them not to be so unashamed of their sins. We ought to be ashamed of our filthy sin. But they weren't. They didn't care. They didn't care who found out about it. They didn't care who saw it. Didn't bother them. They never asked anybody to forgive them. They didn't care. They, they was blatant with their sin. And thirdly, in Jeremiah 23, 14, that very passage right there says that they were given to adultery and lies and, and, and all that kind of thing. You see, let me tell you something. Sodomy does not start with sodomy. Sodomy starts with immorality. This one goes with that one. That one goes with that one. They try this, they try that. They've been to this one, they've been to that one. They don't care what they bring home to their mates. They don't care how, how, they, how, how they treat society. They don't care that the God of judgment said he would judge it. They don't care about any of that. And God said they were immoral. And if you'll read Romans chapter 1, you'll find out the thing that started this ball rolling down to become sodomites was they started in immorality. So don't feel so good about yourself. Don't feel so good about yourself tonight and say, oh, I'm not in that camp. No, but you was in some of those other camps. About four of you, amen, about a hundred of you ought to, right? You know what I'm talking about. So God, Abraham uh, rescued them, and when he did, they went right back to doing what they did, and so Abraham left it alone from that day forward. Now, Last week, we started in Genesis chapter number 19, and we just got a uh, kind of a, a little piece of that. We kind of touched on it, and we talked about how it affects all the issues of our life, and I'm going to try to help you to see that tonight as we kind of work our way through, because here's what people are saying. They're saying, 
I want to be able to live the way I want to, and I ought to be able to have that right. Nobody ought to tell me what to do in my bedroom. Well, is that true? Is that true? Well, what, what about a public restroom? Can they tell you what to do there? No, you can't tell me what to do. Then your children is at stake. Yes, it is a moral issue. It's not just a one thing issue here. It, it's broad. Started with immorality and it became that moral thing. It became prevalent. Uh, it, it, it required compromise religiously. The, the religion had to drop their order and I could go on and on about that and I won't. But they had to collapse criminally. They didn't really care what, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, the crime is down. They must not be listening to the same news I am. Crime is down. You know why it's down? Because we can't prosecute anybody. It's not down. We're down. And we're lowering our standards and lowering our standards and lowering our standards. And we say, crime is down while people are getting splattered in our streets every night. You drive through Nashville at night, you better have your double barrel loaded and your XR ready because they have theirs. And it's a perverted thing. We saw that. It was a capital crime. They were to be killed for it according to God's law. And it was a contagious crime. It just kept on going. And, and then God condemned it in Romans chapter 1. It's something he just could not stand. Because it corrupted men. In verse 7 he says, And why should Lot expect anything else? If everybody else in Sodom was corrupt, why in the world would Lot think he wouldn't become corrupt? So that's how we see the progressiveness of this particular sin. When I, and I know y'all think I'm old, but when I was a boy, this subject we're talking about tonight was only used in joking manners because for the most part, we didn't believe they existed. A few of us believed that they existed, but they you know, and when you, you know, you, you called people that when you got mad at them, you know. I'm trying to be nice here. But the truth of the matter is, that word began to be a common used word. As a result, our morality was falling, so it became a common used word because right behind it, pushing it down, was the immorality that was happening in people's lives with no thought to what it would cause. So it, it, it crumbled the morals. There was constitutional madness. All I've heard about since I've been saved, especially since I've been in the ministry, his constitutional madness. 
We become now these people, these sodomites, have become so aggressive now and fierce for their shameful rights. How dare anyone question their practice? How dare them? And so they take it to the Supreme Court. Surely the Supreme Court will do something. Oh, they did the wrong thing. It's a perishing thing. When you look at verses 10 through 13, it was destroyed by their own cries. Look at verse number 13. Y'all watching me? Not me, but the Bible. For we will destroy this place. Now listen. Listen why. Y'all looking at it? If you're looking at it, say amen. All right. For we will destroy this place because. Now here's the reason. The cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Why are they being destroyed? Because they're crying for God to help them. Living like the devil. Change everybody. Change Sodom. Change our town so it don't get destroyed. Just don't mess with my life. And that's what I've found in my 40 years of preaching. People says you preach on whatever you want to, but I'm going to do what I want to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. I don't know how many times I've had people look me in the eye and say, you're not going to tell me what to do. I said, I may not tell you what to do, but one day God's going to tell you what to do. And they don't have an argument against that, except big old fist. So I'm careful what I say it to, but it was a perishing thing in verses 10 through 13. Verse 13, destruction was the only cure, it seemed, for Sodom. Why? Deuteronomy 29, 23 says, Like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, which the Lord overthrew in his anger. God is angry with the wicked every day, the Bible says. And God destroyed Sodom because he was angry. Now, his anger wasn't like our anger. Our anger usually becomes sin. He was angry because righteousness was ignored. And God was angry, so he, according to Moses writings in Deuteronomy 29, but also look at the blindness. God will give them up to a blind lifestyle, Romans said, and he will give them up so they cannot see. Why? Because it wasn't natural what they're doing. It's not natural. It wasn't natural. If it had been natural, it would have been a totally different situation. This is not natural. So God give them up. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. I believe every person in this world has an opportunity of life. Different spots in their lives. They get it for about 60, 70, 80. Like Brother Page, 112, 80 in the neighborhood. But, um, but he's faithful, bless God, I'll tell you that. And I appreciate that. And so somewhere along in this space of life, 
We've got to get things right with God. Because there comes a time when God pours it in you and pours it on you and puts it to you and puts it to you until you get out here somewhere and you notice things don't bother you much anymore. Things don't hurt you much anymore. Things don't bother you and prick you like they used to. You're not convicted very easy anymore. I don't care what preacher you bring in, and you might bring in a preacher who emotionally gets a whole bunch of people to come down here, and then three weeks later, they're not living for God. They didn't get saved. They just made a profession. Making a profession is far different from having a possession. And so you get out here to a certain time in your life. I don't know when it is. It may be back here. It may be back here at 15. It may be up here at 25. It may be up here at 55. I don't know when that line is. That's God's business. But some point in your life, God said, that's it. I've had enough. I don't know about you, but I believe America is teetering and tottering on the brink of destruction. Because God said, I have given you up. Basically, I've given up on you. You won't respond to me? There's others who will. I'll give up on you. That's what he does. Anybody who hadn't read Romans 1 lately ought to just go read it in this day in which we live to be reminded of how God shows the progression of our sin. And so Abraham prayed for 10 and postponement of judgment only come by removing them or restraining them. That's the only way the judgment could happen. They would either have to change or they would be judged. Removed or restrained, one of the two. They was going to have to change and be restrained from their sinful lifestyle, or they was going to have to be removed from that city. That's the only thing that would change them. And you say, well, I, I just don't think that's fair. Why not? If that is one of the, if that is where immorality will lead us to, why wouldn't God deal with us? on our way down because if I read the Bible right 1 Kings 15 verse 11 and 12 there's a king named Asa who wanted to do right in the eyes of the Lord and you know who he dealt with the Sodomites he couldn't have revival with the Sodomites notice something else Read 2 Kings 23, 7 sometime and you'll find a godly king by the name of young Josiah and, 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 God, and Josiah said, I want you to go out here and I want you to get rid of all these brazen altars. I want you to throw all these idols down. I want you to get rid of all this field and burn the Sodomites' houses and drive them out of the land. We said, that's the only thing that'll save you. And they had revival. So when America falls like Sodom, I will tell you something. It will never return. We don't get a second chance. You say, where you find that? Isaiah 13, verses 19 through 20. You don't get a second chance. And so as we kind of look tonight, at this chapter number 14, it is a hard chapter.
and I, as I look at it, I want you to see in verse number 14, it's probably, that's, that's going to be my last, last statement tonight because I'm moving over to another message. <clears throat> but somebody wants me to finish Genesis before I go, and I'm going to have to preach like a Pentecostal to get that done. Now listen. This last message on the miserable lot that we find in his lost city. Was Lot saved? Yes, he was saved. But just by the seat of his britches, just like 1 Corinthians says, right? And so in this lost city, let's look what he lost. Y'all with me? In this lost city of Sodom, God's already given them up. He's going to judge. Let's look what they lost. First of all, Lot lost his witness, his respect. City life can do that to you. All the way through, you can see elected and popular and prominent and have no respect by the angels. Verse number two lets us know that. And not only that, he didn't have any respect in verse number nine by the Sodomites. <laughs> they didn't even respect him. Folks, listen, you don't fit in anywhere if you're a Christian out of the will of God. And if you're having a big time on Saturday night at the Silver Rod or the, uh, 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 or the wagon train or whatever else you're going to, the bottleneck or moonshiner, if you're having a good time doing that, I don't believe you're saved. And you can get up the next morning and still feel, well, hungover, but pretty good about it. You're not saved. And so he, 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 he begins to say how he lost respect. But look, in verse, in verse 14, he lost respect by his own daughters and sons-in-law. His own daughters. Surely, honey, you won't come to Christ. God's fixing to judge. See the fire coming. It's going to judge. Get right. Go with us. We're leaving now. And they laughed. And those old carnal sodomite boys, they'd married. They laughed. They lost respect. You think he'd have made the choices right then he made if he'd have had a chance to turn back? No. A city without a witness is a lost city. Say that with me. A city without a witness is a lost city. Now, I'm going to give you these four things and we're going home. Why? Number one, a city without a witness means there's no protection for the city without the Lord. The Bible says that God protects our cities. I believe that. I do. I believe that the more righteous our churches become, the more we walk with God in our churches in a city that God will bless the city whose people walk with God. I do. And then there's no praise in the city without the righteous, according to Proverbs 11, verse number 10. There's no praise. We don't want to get too excited. You know what? That's pretty, that song leader, they got a word. Hillcrest, he's about half crazy. He, 
waves his handkerchief, cries every now and then, jumps around, gets to talking fast. We don't want that kind of fat. We don't want that kind of stuff in our church. That's our problem is, is because we want too much of Sodom in our city and not enough celebration in our city. That's the deal. But there will be no promotion in the city without the upright. Proverbs 11, the A part of that verse, there will be no promotion or progress in the city. Now, I could name you a whole lot of things I'm not going to. You just put it in your head and see might what, what, what might, would could have happened had we been righteous in Lebanon. Mm. And then there'd be no preservation for the city without the blessed. Proverbs 11, the B side of that 11 verse. Have you noticed the ministry of Acts is to the city? Where do you find the preachers preaching? The city. Because, you see, in the country, the morals had held pretty high. The character had stayed pretty strong, except in a few spots like Dan and places like that. But when you got to the city, something about the city that messed you up. That's why when I got 16, I lived 20 miles from town on a creek gravel dirt road. And I didn't get off from work till sometimes 9 o'clock or, or late. And I'd get in my old 64 Chevrolet and I'd stay out till 12 or 1 o'clock and I'd head home and I'd come down that road at night and if anybody looked out, they'd say, look, there, there's a fire in the road. Look at all that smoke coming down the road right there. It was my dust is what it was. And I got to imagine just what could have happened if our city had been different. I wonder what would have happened if Glenn Denton had been different in his school. I'm known in that city just purely for the guy who played ball. Now, over the years, I've, that's changed some, and I thank God for it because I played ball. I wasn't right with God. But that's how everybody knew who I was. I don't want people to know me as a ball player. I want people to know me as a soul winner. And the ministry that God has given us is not out somewhere where there is no people, but in the city where there is a bunch of perverted people who's about to be destroyed. To remember, just because God sent you to a city, it's not the end of the world. Because in Titus, God said, ordain elders in every city. I believe that the main church was in the city. It would spark little churches out around so that they could worship on a regular basis. Synagogues. Tonight, I, I, I just want to ask you something. What have you done for Lebanon? 
nothing to be done for leaven. I had to ask myself that question. What have you done for Wilson County? What have you done for Tennessee? What have you done for Levin? What have you done? And I won't say, well, God, I preach every Sunday. Yeah, but there's a lot of other people preaching every Sunday. Well, God, I pray every week. Well, a lot of people pray every week. What, what have you done to step out with boldness and to go into a home to which somebody says, you better not go in there. That's the worst house I've ever seen in my life. But you'll knock on the door and say, sir or ma'am, we just come to talk to you about Jesus today. It separates the men from the boys, right? Or the girls from the women, if you prefer ladies. So tonight, I, I, I know we're not going to change our town overnight. But wouldn't it be great if God decided to bring somebody here who could take it on, take it on far enough to change this city through Jesus Christ. Yeah.